0: Welcome to the Association of Entrepreneurship and Regional Development podcast. Each publication in our journal is a great opportunity to share significant and audacious contributions to a large audience. My guests today are Hilary Downey from the Queen's University, Belfast, and Karen Crowley from the Maastricht University. They both published an article entitled Authenticity on Craft Entrepreneurship, the Interplay of passion and Place. They co authored this paper with Smoura Makadam. It has been published in Entrepreneurship and Regional Development, a journal edited by Taylor and Francis. Hilary, Karen, welcome to our podcast.
1: Thank you very much Thank for
0: being Can you tell us what is the origin of your paper? Why have you decided to address this particular topic? And what is the question you aim to answer?
1: Um, First, we wanted to investigate what does place mean for craft entrepreneurs when place is not viewed positively as a place for as a providing space for creative expression. Um, So we decided to look into that. So the aim of the paper is to um, investigate what the impact of place and craft entrepreneurship when place is not viewed positively. So in here, we're trying to look at the interplay between passion and place. So craft entrepreneurs, on one hand, they're engaged with creative expression, creating something. On the other hand, they have to balance it with the demands of being an entrepreneur. Um, so that was the initial motivation. And I think uh, maybe Hillary can expand
2: on that. This for me was uh, a long journey starting from fine art undergraduate students where I met them as a communications officer when you're in the Students' Union and grown over the years, very close community, always bumping into them, being out to their premises, you know, engaging with them and over many decades and over particularly two different forms of place where we have within Northern Ireland that 30 years of troubles, which brought a very, as Karen pointed out, a place not imbued with a lot of positivity. And obviously trying to get you out into the world was pretty difficult at that time, very challenging. But these individuals were driven after four years being, you know, tied and honed into their craft this is all they wanted to do and they had to manage that space particularly in the conflict period in a different way as to what they would have done in the post-conflict but it was learning how to to do that but still retain an authenticity, still retain their passion for the you know the craft that they had, given their life nearly over to and which they have. And that was sort of key to the space and place and the interplay then of passion and that.
0: What are the main contributions of your paper?
2: We have three main
1: contributions. So first, we wanted a more nuanced understanding of place. So in terms of craft entrepreneurship, place is always viewed as positive and I mean quite simple in terms of like market place-based branding for marketing and so on. So we wanted to understand what happens when place isn't positive. Does it how does it influence craft entrepreneurship? So we wanted to, to investigate that further. And then we also as the second main contribution is that um we want to understand how using the lens of affordance theory, so affordance theory basically says that the space in which, or the context in which entrepreneurship is embedded provides opportunities for action. So using the lens of affordance theory, we wanted to examine how how entrepreneurs navigated their relationship with place. So we kind of came up with this idea of ascension of place. So they can begin by maybe transcending place, so not recognizing it overtly in their craft offerings, then maybe bringing it in a bit more in terms of accommodating place. So using it as inspiration, generating ideas, and also per- helping them to persist in their entrepreneurial endeavors. But we also found evidence of celebrating place. So where place would before was maybe not overtly included in their craft offerings, now it was very much part of who they were as craft entrepreneurs. Um, And then thirdly, we also looked again at this idea of craft authenticity. So the idea is that craft authenticity is the opposite of place authenticity. So you ignore the the place, but you celebrate the craft, the craftsmanship. But we saw actually that place does influence craft authenticity and a provide it, it's the context in which the craft uh, develops so it's very very much important so even when place is negative and not viewed as posit- positive or for creative expression it has a very big role in craft entrepreneurship
2: it's, well i suppose even just to maybe put a little bit of more story around some of the the participants in this in the longitudinal study that they understood coming from maybe particular communities within Belfast, that there was a a sort of um, an acknowledgement of the culture, the rituals that they were, I suppose, grown up, used with. And it did buy into particular forms with maybe the fine artists in particular, that while they didn't, rub out or erase the sort of the hard the hard side of where they were brought up, they were equally able to be more symbolic in what they Should it been a touch of the palette that was used to maybe accentuate where we come from or what what community we are representing here? But also acknowledging that there were other machinery (laughs) in the sky, that there were these other sort of um, vehicles which were not normal in terms of the everyday life. And they weren't painted out, but included in and Again, thinking in terms of literature and things, the best best works always come from those who paint what they know. And this was very, you know, keyed in in particular crafts where other ones were a little bit less willing to be showing that Celtic sort of life. Uh, They would have played more to the Scandinavian and the classic thinking of the silversmiths in this way. Keeping it clean, keeping it sort of less Northern Ireland, less to do with conflict, but showing that side through the metals that they used through the pewter, Irish pewter, but not making a big song and dance about it. So it was, again, acknowledging what you can do, but still retaining that part of self without losing it in the in the process. And again, in when conflict had passed and the Good Friday Agreement, things then started to be a little bit more open. Some would open the door a little bit more and let in your Celtic roots and adopt some more no symbolism. And then again, as, as Karen had said, to celebrate place. And that was very important, but it's the knowing What you can do in those two contexts is very important and acknowledging that even though things may not just be as you would like, you still have afforded action. You're still able to grasp opportunities and to still keep up that passion that has driven you on your course, on your life journey.
1: Yeah, and just to add there, in term, we've, we had a very nice data set which Hillary collected, um, which spanned 18 years, and it was 13 longitudinal cases. So data was collected in the conflict period and then in the post-conflict period after the Good Friday Agreement was signed. And it was really nice to kind of compare, and, and that's how we were able to see this evolution of place over time.
0: What was for you the main theoretical or maybe methodological challenge or challenges in addressing such a question? I would
2: well, I go sort of into well, I think from from the point of view of the data collection, it was important to be seen as part of the community, having witnessed firsthand the struggles. Uh, Meeting people, having those ad hoc conversations made things a little bit easier. Being able to go to their premises, helping out, maybe finish off and polishing pieces of, you know, pieces of work. Just sitting in with them, having tea. And at that time, it was a place where there wasn't really any any infrastructure to help. No support and no um. As there is today, you know, funding and sponsorship. So they were very much an isolated community, but which also helped to bind them closer together. So there was no competitiveness between them. They liked to share any possibilities and opportunities, and were willing to to talk because no one else was there to want to talk to them. And that was always came through that there wasn't anything but. Our passion is still driving us on, even though we have nowhere else, only ourselves, to propel us into the marketplace. And that was very important. As friends and, you know, uh, as participants, it makes things a little easier when you understand their background, what's happening at home, how they're navigating. What they did not want to seem to be was the hobbyist, and they wanted their own premises, which was really challenging at that time too. And most did acquire those. And that was important. That put them on the map. That gave them that impetus to go forward. And I find over the years, we remained when you mightn't have seen somebody that just started the conversation just was so easy. You get invited to the exhibitions You know, when when fine artists are the ones that had those sort of had infamous in terms of their work and still going, still doing things maybe where in particular one fine artist would have fished beyond doing his work for relaxation. Now that has turned full circle. That has become the subject and content matter of what he exhibits today. Now in you know, in another part of Ireland. So again, what he had couldn't do and which he had to do to sort of break from the the very sort of um constrained environment and context in which they worked. Everybody sort of thought about what they were doing, everybody was wanting to be open, everybody was looking for something to help. And and I think in that place, in that space, the willingness to communicate and talk on a longitudinal basis was much better. And it helped to show that they're learning through all the many, you know, pit stops and failures that they had, but came out strong at the end of all that. Yeah, and I might
1: just add, in terms of theoretical, so we had this really nice rich data set. And we were, and we knew that place was um, the context was important. So that brought us to place and the interplay between passion and place. And as we know, there's nothing as practical as a good theory. So we wanted to. We had some discussions between the three of us about what theoretical lens can we use to really understand what's happening here. So that's how we came to affordance theory. So that was. The the theoretical challenge was identifying the correct theoretical lens. And we tried a few on to precise, see how they fit. fit. And then we came to affordance theory. And I think that um, highlighted that that place can provide opportunities, but it can also limit opportunities. But we wanted to really focus uh, on the opportunities it provided and how that changed over time.
0: During your research journey, what was your biggest surprise, or maybe the most counterintuitive result?
2: I suppose there's a when you go in, when you're knowing your participants in a different way, you feel you have walked with them in this journey in tandem, and and surprising in a way that they were able to sustain. They never ceased to amaze me of their resilience and their persistence, despite, you know, others would have given up if today's craft entrepreneurs were starting out in that same conflict period. It was a very sort of, what would you say, sterile and destitute space because um, at that time, the art college and and graduates weren't really lauded and weren't given much uh, in terms of UK. they didn't have that channel to you know to showcase and they were isolated. And so for that instance, the passion was very much to the fore, otherwise that wouldn't have been able to have kept going. And that was what's driving all the time. And given that the time spent, and I can understand that when you have worked solely for four years in a particular vein, that is what you want to do. And a couple of them did merge together in silversmith times. And when things became, when one might have been in a very sort of, what would you say, unique space of making church crosses. And then, as we know, with the, the sort of wider uh, attendance at churches and things, how demographics have changed there, that there wasn't an awful lot of scope. So they moved in to, to work with another silversmith and been able then to produce something that marketplace wanted. And again, it was also no one to help when you wanted to showcase at particular exhibitions. And when you start out, you're very naive as to where do I go, which will be the best, you know place for me to showcase. And they intended to go to everything in the beginning, so they weren't actually making much profit. Everything that was made had to be pumped into where can I get myself to be visible? Where can I get my word and my voice out there and my work? And it's only through time that that was been able to be, what would you say curated in a way that made it more possible for them to be sustainable, and that was important as well. Learning where you should be seen and where where, where not to be seen, and that's a, a sort of a real a gift in itself.
1: Yeah, to add to that, um, I don't think uh, I don't think it was surprising. I was involved in another study or I did another study on Irish farmhouse cheesemakers but this idea that they really reject this idea of being hobbyists and i think that is some is an important message that craft entrepreneurs are not doing this for lifestyle reasons okay they might have been motivated initially or driven by passion but these are entrepreneurs they need to pay the bills they need to focus on the business side and if not then it it would stop as a business so I think our paper has shown that it's something that came out maybe. um, But I think in a lot of research on craft entrepreneurship, I think this this message needs to be very clear that they're entrepreneurs. They might be craft entrepreneurs, but they're entrepreneurs. They're not hobbyists. They're not there for lifestyle reasons. Um, And that's something that came out in our in our research as well
0: what are the main implications of your work for entrepreneurs, managers, policymakers, practitioners in general?
2: Karen, do you want to? We've we've had a bit of a discussion on that. We have,
1: yeah. Um, So I think it breathes into this wider debate in um, entrepreneurship about the context is what matters. So um, and using the affordance theory, we can see that, Actually, and our advice would be is is not to work against the context. So context affords certain actions um, and and examine those. So they could be like maybe it's going to be inspiration. It's going to be motivation or and it can maybe provide inspiration as well in terms of um, the craft offering. So making the context more important. So and also not having this very simplistic view of the influence of place in craft entrepreneurship. So it's not just about positive place based place based branding or marketing and so on, but really understanding how place impacts the uh, entrepreneurial
2: process. That's again, even within I'd be more known consumer research that uh, the context of the context is very much in play within this paper and within how they have evolved the participants and and how their journey has opened up and opened doors and made them be accessible to the wider wider marketplace. And I think also impacting on that has to be the socio-political context, the cultural context, which they can't diminish, they can't erase and, and shouldn't, as we've said, they that is very much of who they are and where they've come from. And that can be layered in as time and context permits. And I think it's been, a, I mean, for them, I always would think, oh, if I had been one of those craft entrepreneurs in their day, I, I sort of envy the life. Not the lifestyle, not the challenges, but their ability to, despite all the things that could have held them back, that they were able to work through everything and still keep that vision, and to for it to last. And you know, they're now into their their sort of um, what to say retirement time. But that also brings maybe more challenges, and that could be for further looking at uh, for them. They've come to a point where everything is now in a good place. But the conflict and the peace process and the post-conflict will also bring different challenges again for them, I would say. You know, so they all could be, as I would say, as mentors for those maybe up and coming who are thinking of going into this space. They have a lot of uh, advice. They have a lot of wisdom. And they have a lot of insights that probably those who haven't struggled to get to a certain level would not have had that experience to share. And they are a sharing community.
0: Thanks a lot Hillary and Karen for participating to our show and presenting your paper entitled Authenticity and Craft Entrepreneurship: The interplay of passion and place. All our podcasts are available on entrepreneurship and on the main podcast platforms.
1: Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>